Wednesday, July 19th. The Yankees are in last place. Apple Computer, it's changing its name to Apple.ai. That's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow, Thursday. For <laughs> Kidding. Today's market call, 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's Dan Nathan. It's just the two of us today. Today's market call brought to you by FactSet. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Um, Yankees are in last place. The Yankees have now dropped two out in Anaheim, playing lethargic baseball. Now, granted, they're still game four games over, a couple games out of the wild card, but it just doesn't feel right in the Bronx. Juxtaposed with what's going on in Shea, they're the winners of two straight, yet they still find themselves six games under uh, the outside looking in. Baseball in the New York area is not particularly good this July. The market is, however. Dan, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, that was really funny, actually, Guy. Um, like Apple.ai. Apple you, know, you, you and I, we catch, you know, listen. I will a lot of you, shit. We, we catch a lot of shit. We, Say we got, it. We, we caught some shit last night on Fast Money because we had our pod partner, Danny Moses, was on the desk with us. We've also had Cameron Diaz, or Cameron Diaz, Cameron Dawson. She probably Wait, gets Cameron that Diaz. That's, that's get, so funny you said that. I was thinking the same thing. You like zend me or something. I don't even know. That's, that's so weird. So she's been on our pod a bunch over the last couple of years. So the four of us were the traders on the desk. And Mel, Melly, who you've known for what? Since the moment you stepped on the Fast Money desk in 2000. Yeah, before. Like that. She looked at us and she said, okay, Market, new 52-week highs, everything's raging, new stocks are participating, blah, 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 blah. She goes, you guys all do a podcast together every week. <laughs> and she's like, are you guys just living in your own echo chamber? Group and then, think. And then no, it's this, a fair question. This was the gut punch of the whole thing. And you know I love Mel, and I actually did appreciate the question. I thought it was great that she did that in that capacity. But then she was like, you know, are you guys going to start trading the market that we have? You know, she did that to us, guy. Well, you know, and just I'll speak to that for a second. And she did. And she's right. I mean, what we've been incorrect about, and I will say 100%, you know, I will stand by this. The broader market rally since middle December, early January is clearly caught me flat footed. No question about it. There have been no sell offs of meaning whatsoever. But as much as I've gotten that wrong, we've gotten some other things right. I mean, the energy move has been pretty good if you look at it over the last couple of weeks. We have been steadfast bulls in the home builder space, which continue to make new all-time highs. You know, we have traded around certain names. If you look at some of these healthcare names, I think we've done a good job. So as much as I've been wrong um, with the broader market, you know, there have been pockets that have been right. I mean, that's trading, though. I mean, that's how you got to try to do this. So the headline is, yeah, you got the broader market wrong. I Absolutely agree. You know, but the nuance thing is you got some things right, you got some things wrong, well, and that's what trading is all about. All right. And here's part of the nuance, I think, to the question. And part of the thing that is, you know, makes it, and we talk about this stuff a lot on our pods, you know, it's like being a market participant, but also being a market pundit, somebody who's speaking a lot. You and I do market call. We do it basically Monday through Friday. We do on the tape Mondays and Friday. We do OK Computer on Wednesdays. We do CBC's Fast Money three or four times. We like to be consistent. We, we want to be transparent. Um, we want to call it like the way we sort of see it. And so, you know, again, I'm, I'm not... You know, I've not been shy about the fact I've had a very, very bad trading period for the last three months. But also, we do this other goofy thing, guy on Fast Money, in the beginning of the year. We do that thing where we give an acronym for the mm. year, right? With some basically the first letter of a ticker to make a word, right? And then we track that over the course of the year. You know, it's interesting. I actually was thinking about what mine was um, on January 1st. Mine was 
TSLQ, okay, was mm, the word. Mm, mm. And it started with T for TLT. Then it went to snap. Then it went to lift. And then it went to Q for QQQ. Now, obviously, you see embedded in there was the TSLQ. That's what you did, okay? yeah. So that's the inverse ETF of the Tesla stock, okay? And my thought was that I think this is going to be a bad year for Tesla. All right, but I just want to talk about this for a second. It's been a bad fundamental year for Tesla. Their gross margins last year were 25%. Right now, they're literally tracking to maybe 18%. 17 and a half, I think. Yeah, consent. You're right. Okay. The the growth, okay, year over year growth in Q1 was 83%, but they got killed last year. So it was an easy comp. Okay. My point is, it's like this could still be a really bad year for Tesla, okay, from a fundamental standpoint. The fact the stock's up 100 that is here nor there. But let's go back to the other thing. TLT. I think yields are going to come in. I think we've been good on yields, the way we've traded yields, okay? I said snap and lift because I think that there's going to be beaten up tech is going to work this year, and we're going to have some like really beaten up tech. Like those things were down 90% at their lows at the end of the year, and I think we're going to see some M&A. And then the other thing that I've been saying consistently, okay, through like the lows last year, dollar cost average to QQQ. Like I was saying, Qs and twos. You remember that? So I'm saying buy treasuries and buy cues. That's not the trade. That is the, the kind of way of investing. And so I guess my point is we get tagged because we're out there talking a lot. People like to put headlines. Guy Adami on CNBC said this, or you know what I mean? Like, so it's just kind of funny. And I, I, I don't mean to rant. I, I hope I don't sound defensive because I'm not being defensive. You know what I mean? I'm not your stockbroker or your FA or your hedge fund manager or anything like that. And we appreciate you being here because we love having these conversations and hopefully you find it fun interesting and uh maybe you learn a little bit from our mistakes here's that yeah it's interesting people are saying you know group think is unforgivable it's not group think i mean it's people that have the same views but it doesn't necessarily i mean we don't live in the echo chamber if you listen to our podcast i would submit we've probably had as many bulls on as we've had bears we just happen to be aligned right now in terms of the market uh the the the, the construct of the market that is again i'm not trying to be glib that's not groupthink that's just people having the same opinion groupthink is effectively you're sort of you're not paying attention to anything else that is out there you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people and then you're moving forward i don't think we do that but hey what the hell do i know but anyway let's get into the market here of course guys of, of course we do a little bit it just so happens that there was a time where I think you and I used to push back on each other um, a little bit more and maybe Danny on some of the things that maybe kind of tease out some of the differences. And just because we agree, it, it's hard. We can't change our cast. It, it is what we, you know, it is what it is, but we try to bring other uh, personalities on. And then we try to highlight some other work from, you know, strategists and stuff like that. So let, let's talk about the market. This is something we hit in the A block last night, guy. And, I, you know, I've been away a week and a half, so it's maybe something you guys have been talking about. But, you know, when Mel was talking about the market in our face and this and that, whatever dude it's 10 stocks i mean i and i know other stocks are joining the party okay um and it's broadening out a little bit but look at this tweet from the kobayashi letter and i referenced this i didn't have the data and i wasn't quoting this tweet i was just saying this is kind of obvious to me the s&p seven mm-hmm. a handful of technology stocks is up an incredible 58 percent this year meanwhile the remaining s&p 493 is up just 40 uh just up four percent we've been talking about this listen there is risk to this people whether you like it or not and i know that you guys think we're in a new bear market or bull market and everything like that but there is inherent inherent risk to this especially when all of this performance has been as guys have been saying multiple expansion around a new tech theme that is not actually that new 
you look at this and we've had people come on the show. You've saw tweets that it's not just seven stocks driving it. There are other stocks that have done well. Yes, there are other stocks that have done well. But when you see this, I mean, we're not making this up. I mean, this these are the numbers. I mean, 58, you see the move. And then you see the remaining 493 companies are up basically a paltry 4%. I mean, so I don't think... For us to say it is one thing, for people to see it is entirely different. Of course, the problem is, you know, Facebook, okay, valuation is reasonable. Amazon, good story, probably in a stretched valuation, but good company. Apple, I don't care what anybody says, valuations in Apple right now, given their metrics, given their margin growth, given their earnings growth, revenue growth, I mean, that's not a company that should be trading. Probably, Dan, you know better than I, it's probably approaching 30 times next year's numbers. Microsoft trading 33 times. Google, uh, decent valuation, maybe a troubled story. Tesla, you just talked about. NVIDIA trading now probably 28 times, maybe a little less revenue. I mean, so you tell me. Revenue. The, Not even earnings. No, I, I know. You have I mean, so earnings for the others. Now now you have Tesla, or you, have, you have NVIDIA, which just crossed. What's it? 63 times earnings if you want to get down to brass tacks. So. I don't know what to say. I mean, that's just those are the numbers. Now, if you think that can if you think these companies will grow into those valuations. OK, I mean, we can have that conversation. If you think that somehow this trajectory will continue, I, I don't see it particularly. Or if you think there's some something coming down where all of a sudden valuations start to matter again and these companies start to disappoint and the stocks trade as if they're disappointing. Then I think we're having a much different conversation about the broader market. But this, this in a nutshell, is what we've been talking about for a while. Yeah, Let, let's just – and let, we don't have to spend too much time on the charts. Let's look at the S&P 500 here. Um, again, it was a beautiful breakout. Um, this is the one-year chart here. Um, and then you see that it actually checked back, guy, mm -hmm. right, to that breakout. And then it's just been on a runaway here. And, and again, don't think that this reacceleration and some of those big names has been a big part of that. Those seven names make up 26% of the S&P 500. But it also helps that – the bank stocks are acting better. Some industrials are acting better, right? Um, your OIH that you detailed yesterday is acting better. I mean, there's there's lots of things that are acting better. No doubt about it. But we talked with Liz on uh, Young from SoFi on uh, Monday on the tape, and she's going to be back on with us on Market Call tomorrow. You know, a lot of the leading indicators are not particularly great as it relates to the economy, right? So if the, if the stock market has pulled forward a lot of excitement, and I quoted last night uh, John Butters, uh, his work on the S&P 500 on valuation, um, you know, from FactSet and the Earnings Insight blog, you know, we're trading nearly 19 times forward, which is above the, you know, five and 10 year averages, which I think are like 18 and 17 percent uh, percent respectively. Right. So, you know, valuations are blowing out right here. It has to do with some of the biggest participants. And then, guy, just t tell me what, what you make of this NDX chart. I mean, look at this. We didn't even draw any lines on it. Even other better. Than, this is other even than, better. Other than where, where the 200 day moving average is, which is all the way down at twelve thousand. 589, yeah. 12,589. And you see where we are right now. We're 15,900. If you look at this again, since let's just call it since April, that's when things started divorcing themselves from reality. Because, you know, prior to that, you're talking about an index that effectively will mirror moving averages and have a mean reversion. It's been a while, obviously, since we've seen a mean reversion. And they do happen, believe it or not. Now, again, people say, well, the mean reversion can take place significantly higher than where the moving average is as the moving average continues to go higher. Yes, as time goes by, 
that moving average will continue to go. But, you know, as we've seen a number of times, these things happen rather abruptly. And it doesn't mean anything's broken. It just means things are correcting and you're getting back to some natural order in markets because, you know, quite frankly, I think the things we discuss, I think even I think even the most ardent bull, the people that think there's no stopping this would submit the last month, but specifically the last couple of weeks have been a pr pretty ridiculous in terms of some of the things we've seen. And again, we got to move on. But, you know, we talk about adding 100, 150 billion dollars of market cap. It's like a throwaway line. And the point I made last night on Fast Money and the point that I've made here, you know, five years ago, there were there were maybe 65 or 70 companies that had a market cap yeah. of $150 billion. Now companies add that over the course of two trading sessions. You think that, two trading does that sessions. make sense? Two hours. We talked about Microsoft, the move that it made at, and that, you know, just announcing the pricing of their Microsoft 365 yeah. Copilot, which is their AI, you know, tools, you know, like the stock rallied 5% in a straight line and, and put on, and, and, and that happened in two, uh, in, in two hours. Scott, look at, you know, this Apple, we were just talking about it before we yeah. came on. Now it's since given a bit of that back, but, you know, they announced the fact this story is a joke too. When you read the story, um, you know, they're just scurrying around to kind of bolt on a bunch of stuff internally and get their people to use it and talk about what they might be able to build, um, that sort of thing. And trust me, Apple spends probably hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on machine learning. Of course technology. they do. Yeah, but like that's that. been going on for years. Right. Okay. Like, uh, oh, of course. So, so, so look, it's given some of that back. But the fact that you can move a $3 trillion market cap on, on a headline like that, like that is amazing. And guys, I want them to pull up the one year. Well, hold on, but just let's go back yeah. for a second because this is important. You know, we're a society, if you think about social media and everything, every and, and news services for that matter, if you go back to the prior chart or just leave that one up, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a society that it's everything is clickbait. Guess what? Trading and investing has become exactly that because if you look at that move, that's what clickbait is in a nutshell. Instead of people clicking to open a story, People are hitting a button to buy the stock or some machine is buying the stock vis-a-vis -vis the headline. I mean, it is a clickbait, clickbait society now in all facets of life. And that, to me, uh, illustrates exactly that. Sorry, please continue. No worries. But th this is, I, I think, um, for me, the most important point that I want to make about what's gone on in the last couple of days. So yesterday, Microsoft headline stock rallies 5% in a, a straight line. Maybe they can pull up a 2 a chart of Microsoft, okay? And then I want them to show us a one-day chart of Microsoft, okay? And you see what's going on. And I think you're right. It is the algos, okay? And then you see today this headline with Apple. Maybe these guys want to stay with us here. Maybe they don't. There we go, okay? Um, so that's that's Microsoft here, okay? Let's pull up the one-year chart of Microsoft here. And you see that the thing blew out to new 52-week mm -hmm. highs, and it's since come in. Okay, we showed you the, the, the day chart in Apple. Let's go to a one year chart of apple right here and you see what's going on apple is not only at 52 week but all-time highs here right and you see this now it's given a bunch of that back okay might we have some really interesting reversals from the highs i want to go to salesforce that's the ticker crm it's up three percent today they just also announced the pricing the pricing of their ai generative ai tool suite across their cloud offerings is stocks making new 52 week highs up there. So all of these companies are rushing to do this. Now let's do a one day chart of Microsoft here. Okay. Or did we already do that? I don't know. Let, let's just show. So Microsoft on the headline from Apple guy sold off to. Okay. Now let's pull up Google. Remember they got that thing barred. That's the alphabet. Let's do a one day chart of that. 
sells off a couple percent. Like, look at this. Look, like what, like look yeah. at what's going on. No, it's your point's extraordinarily well taken. You, you know, you get yes. At a certain point, everybody has the same thing, and then what? You know, what what are you gaining traction on the back of? You know, everybody's back to square one. I mean, to a certain point. And again, you know, you talk about this on the show. People don't necessarily want to hear it. The headlines are great. And you start hearing about TAM again. You know, that's something, you know, a, a phrase that we've heard for years. And it's important. But how long are we away from it? One. And at what point you think about it, if everybody's streaming into this space, things do get commoditized. So as much as people are going to think they're going to be this is going to be a huge margin business, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what happens when everybody flies into the same thing? You get commoditization, which creates downward pressure on margins, which is not nearly as lucrative as it would have been prior. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I get it. Everybody's excited. Everybody's jazzed up. New paradigm. All these things. Guess what? We've heard very similar things before at Market Tops. Yeah. Well, I'm with you there. Um, all right. Let's talk about a couple really big uh, earnings events mm -hmm. close um, today. We'll start with Tesla here. And, and, you know, we didn't do this with Carter yesterday. We should have because when Tesla was approaching, and I want to say this was a month ago, guy, uh, $200, you know, Carter put a buy. When it was getting ready to break out, it might, might have gotten right above that 200-day. Maybe it was a, like a month and a half ago. If you see this chart here, I think he had drawn on his uh, worth charting um, note that he put out back then. I think it was maybe late May, um, cup and handle. He said, buy it for the breakout. Well, he yesterday, he put a note out as the stock was approaching 300 and he said, sell it if you bought it, you know, that sort of thing. So great call by Carter. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I think you also agree with me, you love about Carter is like he doesn't get in the weeds about TAMs and, you know, and, and, and automotive gross margins and this and that or whatever. He's calling it the way he sees mm -hmm. it um, in the charts. And that's good stuff. All right. You see that implied move 7% in either direction guy. This is a $925 billion market cap company um, that's rallied, you know, I don't know, you know, what, what is it rallied? hundred percent um, more, uh, you know, but just a month and a half or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how, what, what do you do with well, this? Well, I mean, again, so, you know, it's apparently things matter until they don't. For example, when Tesla was enjoying a 24 and a half, 25 percent margins, that one of the stories, one of the drivers was the lead they had in margins vis-a-vis -vis the OEMs, right? The historic, the, the automakers um, of the past, the Fords and the GMs. Okay, got it. Then in the fall, they said when margins were about 23.5%, they said, okay, what's going to happen here uh, into next year, meaning this year, our margins to start to decrease. Uh, legacy automakers around 16%. We're not going to get there, but it's probably going to come in somewhere between you know, 18, 19, 20%. Okay, so they warned us. But now, as we mentioned on Tuesday, I think there was a Wells Fargo note talking about maybe 17 and a half percent margins. And you know, now you have to make the decision. Is this a trough period where, you know, margins will start to reaccelerate? That's the bull case, which that's fine. Or is there going to be continued margin pressure, which is, I think, part of the bear case. But you can't throw margins out there as a driver when things are good and then completely discount it when things are bad. So I do think margins will disappoint. I don't know what that will mean for the stock, but I do think at a certain point, people come to the realization that even Tesla has back and fills to the downside. And I think, again, given the run that it's had, we're on the precipice of that. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Current consensus for for 2023 um, earnings are about 343. Um, and, you know, it's coming into the year, they were above $4, guy. Okay, so the stock has rallied the way it is. Uh, margins have been coming down. Earnings have been coming down. Actually, growth rates are, are not keeping up. You know, um, it's, you know, to me, I, it seems ludicrous, but, you know, I've been really wrong over the last few months. And I want to be really clear. I mean, I was short or long puts, so I had short exposure into their Q1 print in late April. I thought margins were going to be weaker than expected. I thought the stock would sell off, and it did. And it sold off 10% the next day. I was covering it after that. And it wasn't until it went from 155 back up to 200 where I started buying puts again. And so you know that was a month and a half ago. And that's been really, really painful. I've lost a lot of money. I lost a lot more money trying to do that mm -hmm. than I did on the way into it. I've been very clear about that. Well, I'm, I'm buying them again you know, right here. And, you know, part of it is, is like, yes, this seems kind of desperate. It maybe seems kind of stupid. Um, it's not going to be the end of me one way or another. I always try to size things appropriately and trading like this in front of earnings is generally a really, really difficult thing to do. But if margins come in weaker than expected, and maybe they push out some of the things that people are all excited about, you know, um, as it relates to, if they don't have anything interesting to say about AI and full self-driving this or whatever. I mean, this stock should come back I, I think 50, 60, 70 bucks in, in the next couple of weeks. But again, really hard to short stocks. Well, we, I mean, we never suggest anybody should be short. No, and, and the short memories of people, I mean, back in, I don't know, January, you couldn't give Tesla away to people the same way you couldn't give NVIDIA away to people um, back then as well. Anyway, question from Scott, a time to go long UUP. I think UUP is the Invesco I want to say it's like the dollar bull fund or so. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right? It basically tracks the U S tracks uh, the U S dollar. So, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the dollar obviously had a pretty significant sell-off recently. Uh, maybe it's getting some footing here. I, I don't know. I will tell you honestly, Scott, I don't think it is to be honest with you. I think there might be a move down to that. What, what is that low April low or so? Yeah, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but I think April lows might be in the cards here. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's interesting. Um, Interesting timing of that question. We spent some time in the dollar yesterday and the way it kind of sold off um, last week. It was kind of interesting to me. I mean, really, um, you know, I feel like the, the question about the dollar is going to be why. why. Why the sell-off? You know, we know that like the euro is is half that that Dixie, right? So maybe when when people feel like, you know, that economy is bottoming a little bit, um, you know, maybe the euro is going to start um, to act a little bit better. Danny Moses last night on Fast Money was talking about dollar yen um, and, and that carry trade and the implications there. Um, you know, to me, this one from a trading perspective, yeah, it's kind of interesting. You get this thing down at 27 yeah. where it holds or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's been trading in this range for most of this year. Maybe there's a 10% trade um, to the upside. Um, so good one. I, the one thing I'd say about the dollar guy, and we talked about this um, maybe a little bit yesterday, is like, listen, the dollar week, if you think about all those companies that we're, that are driving the performance, the S&P 500, they get 30, 40% of their sales overseas, right? So a weak dollar is good for them. You know, and so that might be something a bit of a tailwind. And when we think about S&P earnings, they're expected to be up 2% year over year right now. We thought that number would be coming in much harder, especially as the dollar is coming 15% from its highs a year ago. And so maybe that's something that's helping out a little bit. Yeah, no, listen, absolutely. A, a weaker dollar clearly takes the headwind away from the multinationals. But the flip side of that is they still have to sell their products into these other economies. And yeah. Some of these other economies are slowing. So the offset of a weaker dollar could be slowing demand on the backside. So there are a lot of factors at work here, without question. I will tell you, obviously, that 
I think part of the weakness in this dollar has been predicated on the fact that a lot of people are now talking about a Fed rate cut in the beginning of next year. So I think that's part of the story as well. So we'll see yeah. any hawkishness. What is it next week or so when July these cats talk again? Guy, July so we'll see. It's coming to a theater near you. Um, I don't listen real quick. Justin's asking, love the show. Do you guys think a recession is a foregone conclusion? Again, we, neither one of us are economists, so I don't want to play necessarily that game. What I have said, and I'm not doing the woke thing or virtue signaling, whatever bullshit phrases people use. And I said this on the show. I, I said for probably 45, 50 million people in the United States, they wish we we're in a recession because they're making a decision whether or not to feed their family or heat their homes. And that's not hyperbole. It just happens to be fact. So the fact that we can talk about recessions without acknowledging the fact that for some people it's 1930s, I think is it's almost insulting. I'm not saying your question is insulting. I think as pundits, I think it's insulting just to talk about that. And yes, to answer the question, I do think it's a foregone conclusion. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, just before we move on um, to Netflix, I just want to go back to the charts in Tesla. Let, let's just look, kind of look at the one year. I know they had it up for a second. And, you know, listen, guy, uh, you, you look at that kind of that cluster. We're not far from there. The stock, you know, you hear us say things like this all the time, and maybe it sounds a little glib, but. Stocks that go to 90 usually go to 100. If you look at the market cap here, it's 925. I, I think there's lots of folks out there who would love to kind of make a headline about, you know, Tesla, trillion dollar market cap company um, again. So, you know, your guess is as good as mine on this one. But if you look at the five year, I think this is an interesting chart, guy, because, you know, it's like a head and shoulders mm -hmm. chart. In, in, inside of a head and shoulders in a way, right? Like if you, if you think about that, so it looks like we have a second right shoulder here. We're kind of at a level, who knows, but you look and see where that uh, 200 day moving average is all the way down there. One eight, what's uh, like 190? 194, something like that. And it, it's pretty lonely down there. So um, I, I think the most important thing guy will be, how will investors react to disappointing fundamentals, even if they s explain them off to be a quarter or two? You know, we had Gene Munster from Loop, who, who both of us think is, is a great analyst, um, and he's a long-term thinker, and he thinks that the margins are going to bottom or they're going to signal mm -hmm. that they're going to bottom, and, and that should be the all clear. That's fine if you believe, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla. I, I generally don't believe them um, about a lot of stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see, but I, I just think that there's a lot of really, really good news um, discounted here. And the one thing I'll just say is that China, and, and I see it in the chat here, a lot of people are talking about China. China's, China could be a huge problem for them. It just think about how much of the valuation is embedded in this Shanghai Gigafactory. And you think about how much competition they have in China. And, and they're, you know, we talked on Market Call the last couple of weeks about deflation in China deflation in china you think that's good for purchasing you know um you know foreign you know foreign evs in, in, a, in a country where they're very nationalistic and we have a trade war going on and we have a tech war going on and you know like i don't know man like like to me i, I there's lots of competition there so that one to me the jury's still out it's interesting you know i see a lot of comments about rivian i think and please don't at me if i'm wrong but i think there was a journal article last week that i read basically saying that one of Rivian's um, trucks, I believe, sells for $83,000. It costs them $148,000 to make. So I'm not, I'm not a genius. That's not a great business model. But listen, the stock's had a pretty big run, like a lot of these things. So, yeah. you know, you look at even like a Carvana today. I mean, we talked about some of the absurdities going on with that company. I mean, that is divorce. And I'm, I don't want to necessarily do that. But again, you're starting to see 
stocks divorce themselves from reality, which is never a particularly good sign. And, and it, you know, whether or not that is, is the beginning of something, we will see. But it's clearly, I mean, if you're paying attention, which I know the audience does, I mean, it's happening right before our eyes. No doubt. All right, let's take a look at Netflix. And this one is also- This had, is an interesting one. And it's had an extraordinary run. I think you called this level, man. You thought it would kind of get to when it broke out, um, you know, earlier in the spring. You thought it'd kind of get to, if we look at the five-year, there's a 9% implied move in either direction. It's a, a beautiful series of higher lows and higher highs here. Um, it did give you the opportunity to buy it if you were so inclined um, to do that. Let's look at the five-year chart of this thing. And we drew that resistance. You thought it would get back to, you know, maybe yeah. the gap Philly sort of level here. And kudos to you. But it's interesting. It is filled in. If it gets just a little bit higher, you know, those two massive gaps, right? And that stock lost 75% of its values from its highs here. And, you know, the, the story on this one is, you know, competition. Some of their competitors are pulling back here on the content and everything like that, you know, a lot of people got excited about this, this ad tier and then, you mm -hmm. know, basically trying to kind of, you know, sign up folks who are, you know, sharing passwords and that sort of thing. I think the information has a story out just now. Netflix signs up one and a half million U.S. subscribers for their ad supported tier. You know, that is a very small percentage of their U.S. subs. But it's going in the right direction here because if those were people they're going to shut off anyway, you might as well be sell selling ads and have a lower price subscription in front of them, right? We've been, I think we've done a good job with Netflix um, for a while. I thought the gap fills were not inevitable, but could happen. I did not, if I'm being honest, I didn't think it happened as fast as it has, but, but here we are. So what could you see? You could see price action post earnings that takes us to that final gap, fills it, and then you see a reversal. Um, you know, that, if you're asking me what I think is going to happen, I think that could absolutely happen. And we've seen it before. But this is also interesting. And Netflix is a great story. And by the way, this strike actually is creating a bit of a tailwind for Netflix as well. Obviously, people struggling for content, Netflix wins to this, especially given the fact that a lot of their production is done internationally. With that said, I mean, these gap fills people were talking about for a while. On the downside, we had gaps. And I think people would say, well, we're going to fill them on the upside. Yet, if you look at an NVIDIA, which is the opposite of this entirely, where you have now gaps to the upside, nobody seems to think it could happen that we would fill them to the downside. So it's always that sort of bullish sort of tint tilt on things where if something, if the narrative sets up for a bull thesis, people will seize it. This is one of those situations where, listen, we have gaps on the upside, we're going to fill them. Yet the flip side of that is an NVIDIA where nobody seems to be talking about the potential to do exactly that, but in reverse, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to be too wonky here, but it's, again, it's just the way market participants think. And you do have a pretty significant cap on the downside there in NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, so let's pull up uh, Disney really quickly, just on the on the flip side, because I'm sure Guy will end up talking about it, uh, you know, after Tonight, whatever, yeah. whatever Netflix has to say. You see the one-year chart. The thing trades horribly, right? We're in a raging bull market for lots of their competitors. And then let's pull up a five-year chart. And, you know, you look at that intraday low back in March of 2020 in the throes of the pandemic. It, it was down near, what, 81 or something like that. Now let's make it a 10-year chart. And it's funny, you know, remember back in the day, Guy, when we spent so much time back in 2014 and 15 and the company was kind of gearing up for their their streaming they were buying some tech and they were buying some content and doing a whole host of things and 
you look at this thing and you say to yourself, man, they've just missed the whole thing, right? Yet they have some of the best content on the planet. Now, obviously, the pandemic impaired a lot of their other businesses. What's going on with Linear TV and, and, and Bob Iger, you know, has been very clear about that. He had a great interview with David Faber. Um, you caught that recently. But um, this thing, I, I mean, I got to feel like, and, and I'd love to get your take. Bob Iger just signed on for another two years, right? He's going to fix this guy, okay? Like, I, I think he's going to fix this. So when do you, if you're new to this story, want to start dollar cost averaging? Pretty soon here, like with the idea, if you start buying it around 85 bucks, you'll buy a little more at 80, you might buy some more at 75. Longer term chart again would be helpful. And to answer your question, again, through that lens, like if you have a time frame that Iger will figure this out and Disney is too valuable a property to continue this malaise, it stands to reason that these are levels you want to start getting into. I mean, we are pushing down to, think about it, COVID lows, which is, it doesn't even make sense if you think about Disney doing that entire round trip from obviously early 2020 to where we are now. I mean, you can explain it, but I think if you asked a lot of people, you know, a couple of years ago, there's been no way Disney is trading here. A lot of it is self-inflicted, but they have the right person in place. I think the problem is the fix doesn't take place over the course of a quarter or two. It's probably closer to five, six, seven quarters, maybe two years. But I think if you can sort of withstand sideways to maybe slightly higher price action, I think this is a very reasonable level to start getting into Disney. And, and again, this is now we've taken our trader hat off and I think you're putting an investor hat on. But I think that's OK in this situation. Yeah, well, you know who else thinks it's okay? Our friend Doug Cass over there at Real Stop Money, it. Seabreeze Partners. He just emails me, and he he had a note out yesterday. This is oh, why you sorry, have to Doug. subscribe to Doug at Real Money. Here is transparent as they get, time stamped eighty five sixty two, and you can see what Doug is saying on Real Money um, about. And that. I think but, even Doug would submit. And I didn't read it. I apologize, but. I don't think he's saying the bottom is in necessarily, but I think, you know, he's saying, you know, these are levels where the everybody's now gotten onto that one side of the boat, which it, it happens on both. It happens on the bear side. It happens on the bull side. In this case, that's happened. Disney on the bear side of well, the equation. And, and he mentions in the note, he's been bearish for years. I know he has um, because, you know, as we highlight his emails, as we're talking on market call, he also does it. You know, we, we email throughout the day and, and sometimes we're on fast money and he will, very cordially give us the opposite view if we disagree on something or hears us say something. I know he's been bearish on it. He's saying this isn't a trade because the, the fundamentals stink, but he's thinking about it a bit longer term in the negative sentiment. So um, thanks to Doug on that. All right, guy, before we get out of here, one last thing. This Bank America move, really interesting, okay? Uh -huh. So, you know, playing a bit of catch up here. Um, you know, I, I think the money centers in general, I, I think had, you know, fairly decent quarters across the board. I think the investment banks, some of them, um, not, not as rosy here, but this one, you know, until it just kind of broke out of that range, it's right here at its 200 day moving average. Is this, do you want to chase these? You know, no, yesterday, this we talked don't. about the KRE yesterday, and I think we were both in agreement that a breakout there, given the unusually negative sentiment across the whole space, maybe another 10%, but but chasing this here is, seems a. Uh, yeah, and, and, and listen, we have been saying that in the KRE that, you know, we said in the absence of bad news, this will continue to trend higher. That's what's happened. We had Sheila Bear on last night. Now, I think most people that are watching this have come to realize that most people are smarter than I am, and Sheila Bear happens to be one. She herself said, and I asked her the question about the U.S. consumer, which Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank America, seemed to think was fine. 
which I think is folly. You, you know, it's also, you go back and listen. I mean, my instinct is you could go back years with all these different bank CEOs, and I'm hard-pressed to believe there's been a situation where they've said, other than that, I mean, the consumer is always great. Everything is always good. Bank of America has traded back to the moving average. Good for them. It's been oversold. If we could do a longer-term chart, this bank has been an atrocity vis-a-vis the broader market and vis-a-vis other banks in the same space. So I think that they're, you know, he's looking at things through rose-colored glasses clearly, um, but this hasn't been a particularly good stock for quite some time. And Sheila Bear herself last night said, she thinks there are probably more bank failures to come, which might be the most bullish thing in all. I don't know, but she didn't think it was over either, nor do I. You know what is over, guy? The show? Stop yeah. it. Today's yeah. show went by, I tell you, it went like, by like that. 37 split. minutes like that. Um, no, it was fun. We got through a lot of stuff. I hope we didn't sound like we're complaining. It's I don't funny. know what we sound like because no, I, I, I don't listen to myself. That's fine. I mean, like, you know, a lot of these folks We're in real, the, if nothing a, else, a lot of these folks in the chat, there's, we got, we got some fans and then we got some people who just show up just to kind of talk some crap, That's fine. which That's is fine. I, I, I will say this and, and I'm not, I'm not trolling for this right now, but yesterday I turned the comments on towards the end. Um, and I saw some people say, thanks a lot, guys, you guys rock. That was fun. You know what I mean? Blah, 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 blah. We appreciate it. I hope you think we're having fun. Uh, we do enjoy this. It is more fun to actually do this um, with a bunch of people out there listening, watching, and commenting. And hopefully we're going to start to address more of those comments in the chat. Today's market call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank you, Dan. I want to thank the audience, all the people back in HQ. We'll be back tomorrow. Yes, EY from SoFi will be joining us. And of course, if it's Thursday, It ain't margarine, bitch. It's butters. See you later.